What's up, Zach? Welcome back. It's good to be here, Jeremy. It's good to be here. <laughs> well, this is probably the last one we record here at the old house. It certainly it yeah. certainly is. We're moving out on Tuesday. That's right. We just talked about that in the last one, so go back and listen if you want to know the details. But before we hit record, we were jamming on some old classic stuff here. Our good friend, old Red Marlowe. Man, classics. Uh, yeah, Zach and I played with him for many years. Uh, and he's now on The Voice this year. Yeah, they just started the new season of The Voice, and they've been doing the blind auditions where they hit the button and it goes, and they turn their chair around, yeah, yeah. and then they, they argue over who you know who's going to get the artist. And mm-hmm. Red Marlowe was on there last night or the other Tuesday night, night yeah. Tuesday night, mm-hmm. and uh, wouldn't you know it, old Miley Cyrus and Blake Shelton yeah. turned those chairs around, and, and uh, he ended up going with Blake Shelton. Yeah, yeah. Miley said in her thing, I watched it on YouTube and said, uh, told Red when she was wanting to pick her, uh, I sat with Waylon Jennings and I sat with Dolly Parton and I uh, took notes. And I, she must have threw them notes away. Woo! Because uh, <laughs> I don't think any of that rubbed off. Yeah, yeah, Not yeah. Really a, not a fan of her, really. But <laughs> but Blake took him and. Um, I think Blake's the only fit, obviously, for, obviously, for Red Marley's obviously. country. They, well, they know a lot Super of the country. same people and work with the same people, which probably, I guess, can give Red a disadvantage. But that's not going to say he's still got to get on TV and sing his thing. I mean, I think, yeah, I think it'd be fine with Blake. A guy who wrote some of Blake's hits uh, is a good friend of Red's, Philip White, and they talked about that on the show briefly. So it wouldn't surprise me that um, that regardless if Fred wins or not, or not, he will have uh, advanced in his career a whole lot and have a lot more opportunities now than what he had before. Absolutely. I mean, already, you know, uh, being on a national TV show just as the the beginning, Mm -hmm. so many people come across his name, hear him sing, you know, that kind of stuff. That's huge. That's a huge deal uh, for anyone. And and not not at all to make this – to say this in a bad way about Red, but like when he, from what I saw Tuesday night, was not even remotely close what he's capable of doing. Oh man, yeah, he's such an amazing singer. Like that was some knowing what he's capable. That was a weaker performance. Yeah, and he may tell you that. I don't know. I, I've talked to him since then, but we haven't. Yeah, I didn't tell him. <laughs> he didn't do as hard as you could have. But the beauty in that is, like Zach pointed this out. He said uh, when we were talking earlier, that's just setting Red up to have a, a good season on the show or however you want to say it because he's got such a long way that he can he grow can, yeah or i mean he can not even grow but I mean, we know he can sing so well that he's gonna wow him as yeah, he goes on yeah i mean he's just gonna get better from here on up maybe it's not like he came out and and uh did his absolute best ever in the first performance then you got to follow that up well, yeah he's, he's easily gonna be able to top himself yeah you know? was well, even the even the song the swing in john anderson like it's just not a song where you can really show show out all that much yeah, yeah. but by the time he got to the second verse i think he was kind of getting his groove and and sounding like the red yeah that we I know agree. and and that's when they started turning the chairs mm-hmm. and so i think it's i think it's gonna go a real long way yeah i i gotta uh go fly with him next week to kansas i'm really curious i'm gonna talk with him on the plane about this i want to know how you choose the song yes and how that kind of works mm-hmm. uh whether you're given a list to choose from I can tell you that the swinging song, if it was on a list, swinging. One reason he picks it, picked it, because he's been doing that in his show. Now he doesn't play shows very much at all. Okay, I played one or two with him over the last few years. 
And um, there's a little girl uh, in my neighborhood. Yeah, and so he did that one in the show. Love some John Anderson. That's a classic John yeah. Anderson. Uh, so he he probably felt familiar. Yeah, and, I mean, and that's get, great. You know, that's yeah, if, great. If there's a song uh, you can do that you're familiar with, heck yeah. But I can tell you this: he's got some originals that are better than most of you'll ever. I don't think they'll ever let him play them. Well, not only that, but he probably wouldn't want to because I'm sure their contract would. Uh, well, then they would own the song. They would own the song. Well, they would own the rights. They would own the performance rights. That's but right. The, the publishing on them is is not on. The publishing on them is owned by Dune Grass. Mm. Now that'd be a huge feather in their hat to get one of their songs cut for yeah, national that's TV. True. That'd be giant. That'd be that's bigger than true. probably a regular artist cut. Hmm. Yeah, they probably just don't let them do originals. Uh, who knows? But you'll have to get that info. I mean, when you play with them, I, I'll find out because the reality is, you the TV show pays the exact same amount of money, whether it's an original or it's a cover. The license, yeah, the mechanics are still the same. That's right. The sync license are still the same. Yeah, and when you just for everybody at home here that don't know, when you let's say me and Zach wrote a song about a podcast and we recorded it, there's three types of license that I know of and can think of off the top of my head: a mechanical, which is the publishing rights. I mean, uh, yeah, that's right, isn't it? The mechanical is yeah. the money made. From the sale of the song. From the sale of the song, yeah, it's so many cents. I don't even know what it is now. Then you've it used got to be eight cents when I was in school. Publishing license, which is for whoever wrote the song. Whoever, let's back up. Whoever wrote this, writes the song, if one person writes it, it's nine cents mm-hmm. per sale. Yeah. All right. And then you've got a mechanical license, which that is the performance rights, and that's who owns the 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 master. Recording. So, that's so if you the wrote recording. the song, but then I. And then we recorded it together. The two of us as a group on the master. Mm-hmm. But you as the writer on the publishing. Yeah. But then you take the master and someone can license that version for TV. And that's called a sync license. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So what I'm saying here is if they, whether it's a John Anderson song or a song Red wrote by himself or with someone else. The money doesn't change. Yeah, the money's still the same. It's always it just the same. Goes to, goes to somebody else. Goes to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. So that gives me hope that he might get to do something else. That I I don't know about the voice in particular if they would allow. Yeah, they may a, not. An they original, don't. but uh, but yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, we like you said, we've been playing with Red for a long time, and I'd like to talk about some of the old times with okay. old Red Marla before he was on national television. Yeah. Yeah, before he was on national television, we were just watching uh, a performance from. Let's see, what year was this? It looks like this was 2010. Mm. This mm-hmm. performance, uh, but we started in 2008. Yeah, yeah, we started a long time ago. Uh, but we had this, we had this showcase. It was our first real big industry thing, mm-hmm. uh, and we had. Uh, do you remember what label came out to see us? Uh, we had Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. uh, maybe Universal. A guy named Scott Hendricks, a producer, Alan Jackson's producer, uh, produced a bunch of other people, but I know that was one of his biggest artists. Um, he, he was there, uh, maybe someone else. We did yeah, we had two f- or three of those yeah, big showcases. But the first one was... First one was the, the best one, really. I feel like. It was the least professional one, as far as like... 
there were the last one we did was a a show. Yeah. You know, there was um well, they, was, hired, they hired, they like, choreographers yeah, and we had choreo- people which, to dress us. and that, uh, that really made me mad doing all that stuff, but it, it's part of the deal. By the time we got to there, the, the feeling had changed. The songs had changed. When we started our original, our original uh, showcase at that time, we were doing some of Red's old songs, and they just had this real feeling about them the words and the music and the mm-hmm. the emotions were so real you can go on uh, youtube if you search red marlow uh there's a there's a bunch of uh videos from this from this uh showcase i'm talking about and they all are just really great uh performances full of emotion mm-hmm. but man i remember we were playing this song called tomorrow's gone which was like the the slow burn mm-hmm groove just awesome song about woman leaving you and we're grooving on it and i got my eyes closed and i'm thinking that's it we got a record deal and oh, yeah a, I, I thought the same thing and a record deal was like at that point that was the that was the goal yeah it was the goal since you're you know you learn about music and being a musician oh, record deal record deal everyone talks about record deal and and at that point that was the goal of life like that mm-hmm. was the pinnacle yeah. Yeah. you get a record deal you've you've hit that big milestone and so i was like we did it we did it we we played the rest of the show perfect but things don't always work out like they seem they're gonna work no. out and and as a quick side note too later in life took a few more years we learned record deals aren't the end all be all but no no but at that time yeah i thought that was the it was a it was a done deal I remember going out that night and eating with some friends and, and, and my wife and all thinking, oh, man, we finally did it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it took about a week. And then I get a call from Red one day. Or no, maybe it was Wayne. Yeah, Wayne called and said, well, they turned us down. And, and you just got to know Wayne. He's one of my absolute favorite people in the world. And Wayne Marlowe, Red's brother. And he's always pulling my leg over something. I said, oh, you just messing with theirs. There's, there's no way they said There's no, no way. That. There's no way. You would turn uh, that down. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. He told told him, said, man, everything sounds great, looks good. Just don't think I can push it uphill. Yep. That was the words they used. That's right. And, uh, well, we didn't give up, though. We kept uh, a few more showcases as time, time went on, but it uh, wasn't meant to be. We've had a, we've had a few uh, things in our career some negative things where somebody said a good line, like, I just don't think I could push it uphill. We've also heard, boys, your services are no longer needed. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I got fired. We've been fired from one, just one gig, I guess. Huh? Yeah, that was from Monument Quartet. We were in, this was the second year. The second year got all crazy and had a whole bunch of new people singing and playing and stuff, and it, we just weren't getting along as well. Yeah. And, uh, we're in Iowa, in the middle of nowhere, aren't we? In a cornfield at a, mm-hmm. at a small little fair. But yeah. we're, we're in Iowa, and we're on stage doing sound check, and the singers are out. Uh, they used to go out into the audience and, and do some shtick. And uh, they're out there singing, and we're playing on stage. And they're, what, like a couple beats behind? I yeah, mean, they were... They were uh, behind the beat for sure, and and what made me mad was they've been doing that during the show the last few times. 
Yeah. And you and I would want to sit out there and of course we'd want to just jam during the day after sound check and the and uh but we also wanted to practice because I don't want to like being out there and being embarrassed that bad. Yeah. And um they wanted to sit on the bus all day and make homemade dip. I remember that. With a little blender. Homemade yeah. salsa. Yeah, I remember that. And play cards. And that's all they wanted to do. Oh, we tried to record some of the shows to listen to. to, yeah, to, they to did, say, they oh, we need to fix this, fix that. Turn that. Turn that off. No one wants to hear that. Like, mm-hmm. Well, if no one wants to hear that, then what are we doing out here? Yeah, so finally, uh, I had had enough. And I, if I remember, we just stopped playing. You stood up and you started yeah, yelling, at yeah, yelling at him. Like, you started oh, yelling is, at him. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> you stood yeah. up in the corner, like in the uh, on the stage, and they were out in the field and started yelling at him. And it was a, it was an ordeal. Uh, but I, I think we must have been fired before that. I think we were. Uh, I think I know. Uh, well, I have an inkling of when there was another time we were doing sound check, and they kept trying to. They kept trying to get you to play with hot rod sticks. And what hot rod sticks are, are these little, instead of hardwood sticks with a hard tip, they're, they're like a bundle of little sticks mm-hmm. and very, very real soft. Pliable. Yeah, yeah, real pliable, very soft, and they don't make a lot of noise and make the drums much quieter. But they also but they give the drums a totally different sound. And that's what, yes, it's a different that's sound. That's what they're intended for, a different sound, not Not to volume. make them, yeah, they're not intended for volume, exactly. It's so like me telling you, just um, play this acoustic bass. And it'll sound the same, just quieter. No, it won't. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so Marshall, the owner of the group, tried to, like, Jeremy, you're just too loud. We're gonna, we need to play, get you to play with some high rod sticks. And I remember this. I told him to sing without a microphone or something, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. He's like, Marshall, you tell me to play with high rod sticks. It's like me telling you to sing without a microphone. Like, yell, and you guys yelled at each other or something. Yeah. And uh, I, that must have been. That well, must have been. That the, was it, but we didn't pick up on it. But no, what, what they had been doing a week or two prior to uh, the Iowa thing, I remember they began recording the shows. You remember this? Yes, yes. Which we had known. We tried to do earlier, and they didn't want to do it. Yeah. And they they ended up doing it. They told us some lie that somebody, some promoter, wanted to hear the show. So yeah. we're going to record a couple of them. Yeah. What they were doing was recording what you and I were doing, so that they could give it to the next guys to learn. That's right. And that's what they had done. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess in Iowa, they figured, well, that's it. That's enough. And so when we got back to Nashville, we were woke up out of our bunks, and they said, Marshall needs to see you up front. I'm like, all right, whatever. So we climb out of our bunks, and, well, guys, uh, you, probably, you probably already know this is coming, um, but your service is no longer needed. Well, I actually couldn't have been happier because we were – both tired of the gig. We were trying to get out. We but, had been talking about. Yeah, we've been out. talking about. Yeah, yeah. But we probably didn't have the uh, the balls per se to make the decision on our own. Yeah. Uh, so I remember telling him then because, like you said earlier, everybody was gone. John was gone. Matt was the only one original. Brandon was gone. We had yeah. some some like. F- 15-year-old piano player that couldn't yeah. play with a band. And then we had this weird guitar player that sounded terrible and yeah, he was he, sang weird songs he's one about... Of the, I mean, he's not the worst, but he's among the like worst musicians that I've ever had to work with. Oh, yeah. As far as playing. Oh, his sound but was they just, thought he was amazing. Yeah. I mean, his tone oh, yeah. was as good... I mean, it sounded as good as a raggedy lawnmower. It was real bad. He would buy like the cheapest guitar and then put other parts into it 
thinking it was going to sound good, and it didn't sound no. good at all. So I remember telling Marshall, I can't go, I'm so tired. Um, I said, man, this, I remember saying this. Okay, man, no harm. I'm, don't hurt my feelings. But I can tell you this. You're now the best singer in the band. Woo! Son. If that just lets you know where things are now. I remember telling him that. And Marshall was like the and worst. Marshall was the worst singer in the first year. Yeah. Yeah. I remember telling him that. I was saying, you are now the best singer. So think about that. Dang. And within a year, if I don't think it was a year. Shut it on down. It was, it was over. That's how it now, goes. Now, that That's has nothing to do with me and you. Right. Just I mean, it was going that realized, direction. It was going that direction. The first year when they did the DVD and they were doing stuff, they were doing really well. They mm-hmm. were on the uphill swing. But then after Tidwell left, um, Brad left, which not that he was the most amazing, but Mike Allen left. Mike Allen, best bass singer ever. And then we, all the good piano players left. Yeah, yeah, Lucas, the, Brandon. The quality, the product was just so bad. That's what it was. It, that's exactly what it was, yeah. The product, the quality got super, super low. Yeah. Uh, but we kept, uh, back to Red, though, we kept playing with him off and on during that whole time. And up mm-hmm. until, well, I mean, he doesn't play much anymore, but he probably will soon that the show's things are happening. But uh, he would only play shows whenever we were available. That's right. You know, that's right. Uh, it was me and you and Jason Jordan and Kaylin Garner mm-hmm. um, and Wayne. Yeah. And we go down to Alabama, wherever, yeah. tear it up. Uh, did we ever talk about the <laughs> the craziest gig with Red was – when we went to the Dragon's Tail. Oh, man. Out in East Tennessee. Some of that, some of that is uh, uh, listener advisor. What, are they, what is that? Parental uh, advisory. Yeah. Parental advisory. Uh, so, well, yeah, I'll tell the story. I mean, yeah. best I can here without getting wild. So, first off, uh, we had a, I had a friend that I went to church with that worked at Gibson. Gibson oh, Guitars yeah. in Nashville. Yeah. And Red had booked this two-night thing in North Carolina, at the very end of a road called Dragon Tail, which is in the mountains. It's like the road with the most turns in the world. Yeah, it's like it's 150 yeah, turns or something in a mile or whatever. Yeah, they it's something ride, crazy. So people go ride motorcycles, and it was a motorcycle rally. Yeah. And uh, Red was going to play two nights. And, th- and this is like, there's, some, I mean, the rally is in the woods, in the hills. Way. Where, yeah. like, I mean, they got bear warnings and cabins. I mean, that's yeah. all they had. And we stayed in like a big cabin. Anyhow, uh, we're going down there on a Friday. Well, that Friday morning, Gibson would have their twice a year yard sale. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, it was open to the public, but you had to know an employee or yeah, something. Yeah, you had to, to know someone to, yeah. to get in. So I, I told Red about it, and we all met up there mm-hmm. to go together. Mm-hmm. You and I were in line. And if you worked there, you could go through first. For 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And what it was, was all the Gibson instruments uh, that, for whatever reason, didn't sell or had a problem. Even, like, suppliers. I told you he'd call. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever so, whatever they had left over, they'd sell. Well, even, like, suppliers would send them demos, like, mm-hmm. hey, let us build your product, and then Gibson yeah. wouldn't use them, and then they just, you know, they sell it in this garage sale. Yeah. So, it came our turn, finally. Uh, I bought an acoustic for thirty dollars, mm-hmm. which was pretty good for him. Yeah, because guitar. Yeah, you bought a bass, right? And a horn. I bought a bass and a a trumpet, a trumpet. for twenty five dollars. For both? 
No, the, the, I think the Trevor was Did 25. you buy an amp too? Kalen bought an amp. Kalen bought an amp. Uh, anyway, it was a it was a fun fun thing. I remember being super cold. Yeah, yeah. So then we pile in the in the in the cars. I guess I think Wayne's maybe Wayne drove and we had a little U-Haul trailer. Mm-hmm. And we go all the way to North Carolina, and we set up, and we're doing our Smoky Mountains. Smoky Mountains. It was it was a fun thing. Yeah, it was fun. It might have been the first time we ever went anywhere together with that band. Yeah, yeah, it probably was. Uh, but we get there, and there's a little pot, old Popeye. Remember Popeye? <laughs> yeah. I was going to tell part oh. of the Popeye story, but I forgot about what. So there was a guy there named Popeye. Did he have a pipe in his mouth, and he looked like No, Popeye? that was just his name. Well, that was his okay. name. That's what they called him. He had like a 15-passenger van. But he sold moonshine out of it. A 15-passenger van, just a... Imagine a 15 passenger van in every surface. You slide that door open, everything has a jar of moonshine just back to back to back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All the seats, all the the ground, everything. Uh, So he's hawking this moonshine. Well, we didn't get any of it then, but later during the show, because this was a long night, and I'll get to the. We had like a few nights, I thought. There for two, I think. Two nights, yeah. So we're playing, and old Popeye Moses up to the stage with this. He passes the jar to Red. Red's like, absolutely not. I'm not fisting that. Well, it's got bugs in it and stuff. Yeah, they pass it off. I didn't know that at the time. Yeah, it's got bugs in it. They pass it off to everybody. I mean, he's real, like, side of the mountain moonshine. Oh, this, yeah, yeah. And it's illegal. So he's got it, like, under his, his little yeah, vest. Yeah, his little vest, his Harley vest. Yeah. He, gets, he gets to me. Well, heck yeah, I'm going to take a swig of this moonshine and try it out. Yeah. And you guys are like, oh my gosh, can't believe you drank some. <laughs> Who knows what's like, in this? Oh, uh, whiskers. The, the, and the bugs are bugs. like the least problem of that moonshine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just thought, well, there's probably so much. Uh, this thing is so strong, it kills anything that's in it. Yeah. Well, I took a swig. I don't remember how it tastes. probably tastes horrible. Um, well, then we get done, and we had to pack our stuff up in the trailer. And uh, this dude comes up. Big dude. Big Huge. dude. Well, uh, yeah, big dude. And he wants a, a drumstick. You had promised him one. I, I, I did. I? You, you said, okay. see me after the show. I'll get you a drumstick. He asked for one. So I gave him a drumstick. And it's, but I it's, gave him a broken one. Yeah, it's dark. I mean. Yeah, there ain't no lights. Yeah, yeah. This, this ain't like, you know, by some building. This is out in the middle of nowhere. So we're loading up the trailer. Me and Jeremy finally load up the rest of the trailer and we shut it, you know, and, and we're talking to this big guy. And Jeremy... I'd already gave him the drumstick. And Jeremy, Popeye walks up. Popeye walks up. And what does Popeye do? And... You remember what Popeye does? He takes his, his foot and he kicks the guy right in the back of the knee so his knee gives out. But he's like, he's like joking yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's just like weaseling around. Kidding, yeah. Yeah. Um, but big dude wasn't kidding. Big dude turns around. Grabs up Popeye... And puts the broken drumstick to his throat, right? Stabs him with it. Straight he up. Did stab straight him? up. Like, arm out. Ha! Stab, <laughs> stabbed him in the throat. Okay, I, I didn't remember if he actually stabbed him, but I do oh, remember him. Uh, thinking, oh my gosh, this dude's about to kill another guy with my drumstick as the weapon. <laughs> and I'm thinking, all right, where's, where's Zach? And I turn around. Zach Duncan snuck around the corner as soon as the... Just disappeared. I just poof, gone. Yeah, vanished. And here I am. So all these guitars laying out by this trailer, and this dude's forget the guitars. Who cares about the guitars? (laughs) Eventually, he lets Popeye go, and he just moseys off. That's how the that's the biker rule. (laughs) (laughs) That's how those bikers do. 
you remember uh remember while we were playing they had like these bars like oh yeah like metal like a metal <laughs> bar yeah and what they do is they is right in front of the dang stage they take their motorcycle and they roll it up and they'd stick the front wheel in the bar so it couldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then they'd gas it up. That's... And they just burn their wheel off the back right at us. And so then this big old cloud of rubber Huge smoke. Plume it of just, stinky smoke. While we're playing. Engulf us. Engulf us. You couldn't see anything. And yeah. it smelled like, you know, a bunch of burnt rubber. It was like the dumbest. It was the dumbest thing ever. And then we stayed in, uh, I guess it was a hostel, but it was like uh, right at the beginning of the Dragon's Tail Road. And uh, it was like it was like super cabiny, but I guess it used to be a uh, it used to be a convenience store or something. Because at some point there was this door that we kind of broke down, and it opened up into like an old convenience store that no one had touched mm-hmm. in twenty that, years yeah, or time, thirty yeah. years or something. And there was all like sunglasses on the sunglass rack and. Did somebody take some of those sunglasses? Uh, I think somebody did. Kalen. I think or Wayne might have. Wayne, yeah. Uh, it was like an old convenience store with some of the stuff still there. I remember during the day, it must have been the Saturday before the show, we decided to go ride the dragon tail and Wayne's. <sighs> that and was I, a mistake. I sat in the back and got so car sick. Yeah, I, I don't get that car sick usually, but oh, dude, we, were getting, like, so we were in the back. We were in the back. I just felt like if I died, I'd feel way better. Yeah, we were in the back just My turning so green, bad. and yeah. it wasn't even that long that we were back there. Uh, once I got in the front, it was better, but then whoever went back from the front got super sick. Yeah, because it's just constant zigzag, zigzag, zigzag type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that was uh, that was wild. And I, I remember, speaking of red uh, shows, I remember uh, there's a place in Muscle Shoals. We used to play, we started out playing uh, this hotel <clears throat> what was that place called oh uh, i can't remember it was schaefer something the hotel yeah i thought i mean it was a holiday inn wasn't it but it was called something yeah i can't remember but anyway holiday inn yeah we played there a lot and it was fun it was really fun because there was a bar well, usually you play two days right? you play two days uh there was a bar there you play the bar everyone comes out people are dancing yeah. Drinks, you go to your room. do some drinks, go to your room, hang out the next yeah. day. Yeah, that's the only way to play, man. I love playing like that. But then we uh, moved it across town every, a couple of times to a place called PJ's. Ooh, uh, places, which was a big place, but it was nasty. So nasty. I remember we used to joke that if we ever made a lot of money, we'd all buy PJ's and burn it down. <laughs> we sure did. Yeah, that's that why I need is... to ask Red if you win the show and get a bunch of money, you're gonna buy PJ's and. Burn it down. Needs to. Mandatory. Uh, Need to go cut up in, uh, what do you call it? Muscle Shoals. Uh, oh, man. The Fame. Studio. Fame. Yeah. I think Rez recorded there at some point. Oh. I think he told me they recorded <clears throat> there a long time ago. Oh, okay. Um, that is a cool area down there, man. I mean, it's not cool as far as there's not much to do. Mm-hmm. But musically, it's like, it's like there's all these cool diamonds right in front of you. You don't even realize they're there. Yeah, some of the songs. There's, another, that, there's fame, and then there's the other studio. Yeah, the other one. <laughs> Everyone calls it the other studio. Yeah. The Stones uh, cut it that one. Yep, and then there's uh, the Alabama Music Hall of Fame, <clears throat> which yeah. we went to. The, I went to again here last year. Uh, Red 
Red's brother Wayne's bluegrass band played there, and I went and hung out. And oh, that's cool. They played out the Hall of Fame. Boomtown. Yeah, Boomtown. Them dudes are really good, by the way. We need to record them. And then, uh, let's see, who else? Uh, what else is there? <clears throat> Remember Joe Wheeler State Park? Did we play there? Yeah. Was that... We had like the big room and got ready and played in. Wait, I don't remember what the room looked like. I remember we stayed at the hotel on the like at the park. It's like a little state park. Yeah, but they had like a. Did we play in like a conference room or something? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I remember it being kind of lame. Like the show, the show place, the show wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't made for a show. You know, it was was made to be a conference room. Um, Joe Wheeler. Where else did we play? We played a few private parties. Uh, I remember playing. Uh, I remember playing somewhere, and this was a bar, but where it was, it was a good show, you know, at a some bar down Tennessee Alabama line. And was we're it pl- the restaurant place where we sat in the corner, but it was outside and it was so cold? <clears throat> no, 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 no. That was Miss Kitty's or Miss Annie's. Oh, right down from there was a bar. Uh, Buddies or Buster's? It was. I like- don't know. It doesn't matter, but I remember it being at this bar, and we're on stage, and the one vision I have of it is we start up a oh brother, or uh, what's the song called? Man of Constantara from Other Brother Where Art Thou. This was at the uh, hotel. No, it wasn't. Were they fighting and they get thrown no, up No, it wasn't. This was at a bar. It was a bar. Well, so, that is a bar. <laughs> no, it's not that bar. It's a different bar. Okay. Uh, anyway, we start up a oh brother Where Art Thou, and... Uh, you know, start the intro. Whatever, whatever it is. Is that how it sounds? I think that was actually Foggy Mountain Breakdown, but whatever. Anyway, we're going through the chords. As soon as we start the song, these two big dudes just start beating the crap out of each other. And they wrestle all the way from one side of the dance floor to the other near, they're about to throw each other into the sound equipment where we got our our engineer set up and they're like wrestling and you know some people come out and they separate them and they get them cleaned up and the whole time we're just playing through the chords like vamping on our brother where art thou and right on cue they get those boys cleaned up separated and drug off and Wayne just right in on the one. I am a man of constant uh, sorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that now. I don't. I, I thought it was always at the the bar, uh, the hotel bar place. Nah, it was, it was a different one. It had like a white floor. Okay. Uh, at least that's how I see we it. We played quite a few of them little bars all around the <clears throat> state line down there. Those are my favorite to play because people get yeah. wild and they they, dr- they get have a wild man. Get dancing and fighting and. You want you want to know what one that sticks out to me that wasn't with Red it was with uh, James Wesley, which is a weird thing to be playing uh, a little bar like this with a guy on a label. But it was just one of those shows. Every once in a while, we get stuck with a weird in between show, and we were in uh, either Pennsylvania, I think Pennsylvania, and this little bar was on the side of a mountain off of some no I know what you're talking little about. bitty road, and it, it looked like the it place looked like the bar had been there since the. 1800s. Like it was, yeah. It was like it looked like a like the old Forty ers would come in after they gold mine, <laughs> but uh, it was like made out of old wood and yeah. it was like an old, almost looked like a barn. But anyway, on the side of this mountain, and super backwoods, right next to the stage, they got a mechanical bull, and we're doing our show, mm-hmm. and there's like an old man running a mechanical bull, and we're playing, and some. 
Punk comes up to the guy running the mechanical bull and just socks him right in the face in the middle of the show. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm like, what? The- <laughs> Where are that. we? Where are we? Yeah. Uh, I remember that. I remember. Um, I remember us using house gear that night for some reason. Oh, I don't remember that. And the drums are really old. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a. I can't remember the name of that place, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was. It was one of the. I don't know if I want to say sketchiest, but it was like one of the oldest, like broken down bars I'd ever seen. Mm. <clears throat> But it always seemed that way when we got in that area, uh, West Virginia, the Pennsylvania, that kind of area had some. We had bad luck in West Virginia. You talking about yeah with uh, James? With James, yeah, with James. Uh, we played, we played a show with Ronnie Dunn there once. I think that was actually pretty good. Did we? Yeah, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. I don't remember exactly where. Oh, 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 oh. It was outside. Speaking of West Virginia and Torn, the craziest, I think, one of the craziest places we ever were was that little town in West Virginia that was like... You talking about the one with the old sheriff? Yes. It was like stuck in time. It was like, uh, think of Mayberry, but then think of like the the evil brother version of Mayberry. Like this place was... (laughs) Uh, this little bitty mountain town, everything, you know, probably a bunch of coal miners lived there uh, originally, and then coal shut down or whatever, got lost their jobs. And so they had a terrible heroin problem. Mm. Uh, and the place is just depressed. Like, if you want to know what it's like, go watch a documentary called The Wonderful Whites of West Virginia. I think that's what the name of it is. Johnny Knoxville produced a... a is that on Netflix? Uh, I don't think so. Johnny Knoxville produced this documentary. I think it's the Whites. It's about this family named the Whites that live in West Virginia. And that's just what this place was like. Anyway, we're in this we're in this courtroom, like the little town courtroom, getting dressed. That was our room to get dressed in before the show. And uh, was this old uh, was he a judge or a sheriff? He had been all of them. Yeah, he was he was like judge, jury, executioner, basically of this little town. And he was old, old. And he starts telling us these stories about how they, you know, oh, find, you know, finding these dead bodies all the time from people overdosing on heroin mm-hmm. and find them in swimming pools after the, after the frost, you know, Golly. <laughs> like <laughs> through the winter they're in the swimming pool and then they find them in the spring and just all the time finding people. And he tells us, well, they had to take my gun away. I remember this. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, why? Well, I just kept shooting people. Like, what? What? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I kept shooting people, so they made me take my gun away. Do you remember the story he told about uh, the the wife that was getting beat up? No. Okay. Uh, so apparently, you know, this is a small town. Everyone knows everyone, mm-hmm. and it's the good old boy situation, you know? Uh it's it's like their own they have their own law there and at least from what i remember there was this woman and she was married to this mm-hmm. abusive husband and everyone knew he was abusive and he would beat her and whatnot who knows what all he would do but one day she decided that's it i've had enough and so uh he comes home one day like 
run my bath, woman, you know, Dang. telling her all this stuff. And so she runs him a bath, and he starts yelling at her and whatever. And he gets in the bath, and she pulls out the pistol. What? Pop, pop, pop. Done. Gone. Shot yeah. him up in the bath. And so uh, I, I, she might have called the cops, I don't know, or whatever, but she told him, you know, told him what happened. Mm-hmm. And they come out, and they got her, and brought her back and uh i don't remember how like how uh all the in-betweens but basically the gist of it is well they couldn't find a cause of death <laughs> <laughs> well yeah that's uh because oh, well, i mean i was just i mean well it's not that i oppose that sort of thing right i mean but i mean you got just, what coming to you you just felt like in this place there was no real law. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. law was what whatever saying, yeah. the people decided the law was there. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah, I remember it, that guy. It was a little bit of an unsettling feeling. Basically, in a roundabout way, it was unsettling because if he didn't like you, he could probably get away with killing you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, a good thing for us is people always like the band. There's all, If you're in a band, there will always be someone to yeah. protect you. Always, everywhere you go. For some reason, the band is just always everyone likes you mm-hmm. you get the pass so yeah it was the old, the old judge i think that's what they called him right yeah i think he used judge, to, yeah. he, he was he was a cop and then he was a judge he originally was a a, a moonshiner and he'd, he he he'd run he'd run sense, from yeah. the cops yeah that but then sense. he became a cop yeah he told us a bunch of stories about some outlaw stuff and then he became the law so now the law is outlaw it's, it's wild <laughs> it's a wild place 